We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Or live. This is the Thursday morning edition of the Field of 68 Best Bets podcast. My name is Rob Dawson, the gentleman that you see right there with me, the one and only Jeff Goodman. Uh, Jeffrey, are you still allowed to sleep in your house or you've been kicked out after going one and 10 yesterday? It wasn't one in 10, but it was, it was a bad, bad day that I, I think we need to turn the page on, uh, move forward. Luckily, you know, I ended with some momentum. Uh, the Washington Huskies uh, came through and so did the Auburn Tigers. It, it might've been one in 10 if I had lost both of those, you know, my problem, my dumbass. Uh, did a couple NBA picks too on bet sports, and uh, I took the Brooklyn Nets uh, halftime and 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 overall. So zero uh, two there. Thanks, Kyrie Irving. Appreciate it. Um, it serves That's me. Your guy. Yeah, That's your guy. Yeah, Kyrie. I'm the idiot who, who who actually thought Kyrie would come out of the gate, and he did. It, it was just those three knuckleheads together. take to to get it together they they will they just don't guard anybody i i'm convinced i could get 20 on them <laughs> yeah the, the day that you're able to uh to beat robbie hummel um in a in a contest of vertical jumps is the day you're going to be able to get 20 that's gonna happen uh all right let's talk about college troops last night um we were wrong about clemson very wrong about clemson <laughs> yeah, a, little, a little bit we were, we were just wrong Clemson stinks now. Yeah, they're 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 not very good. Um, Auburn uh, did not have a very good second half. They were up by nineteen and ended up blowing that game. But I do think that at this point, the biggest talking point is probably John Calipari, Kentucky. Yes, they lost to Georgia. Georgia's not good, uh, and um, I don't know. It feels like there are. We talked about this yesterday, of course, but it feels like there are people that are are starting to come out of the woodwork asking for uh, a change in leadership in that program. And I know that you don't feel that way, Jeff. Yeah, I'm going to have a column out later today uh, in which I will call these uh, Big Blue Nation blowhards who are calling for his uh, dismissal and his departure absolute morons, uh, which is what you are if you think you want John Calipari out. I know the third SID is probably one of them. Because as we talked about yesterday, he doesn't have complete access to the program. So uh, you got to run Cal Perry out of town. Uh, last time uh, we disagreed on a Kentucky coach, he was blowing uh, 
uh, Billy Clyde Gillespie and love Billy Clyde. And how did that work out? So listen, you're not going to do better than John Calipari. This year is a absolute uh, shit show, but ultimately uh, it is a uh, kind of a throwaway year in a sense um, with the pandemic. If you're going to have a year like this, have it now, right? Mm-hmm. Have it now. If you're Kentucky um, bottom line is you've made some mistakes in recruiting. I think Cal's gotten a little bit lazy on the recruiting trail. I think this will absolutely wake him up, kind of like it did Rick Barnes when he got fired at Texas. Uh, when he got to Tennessee, it just it gave him a jolt. And I think this will do it for Cal. But again, um, you're not doing better than John Calipari. You're not getting Jay Wright. You tried that. You're not getting Billy Donovan. You tried. Yeah, and I also think that it's important to note that. Um, whoever ends up coming in next is going to be the guy that is replacing coach Cal. And that's not going to be an easy thing to do. You don't want to be the guy replacing Cal. You want to be the guy replacing the guy that replaced John Calipari. And um, I also think that you all, you you cannot, I'm very hesitant to say anything too negative about any, uh, any college basketball coaches that, um, that do not have great seasons. This season, in the middle of a pandemic, um, dealing with everything that they're dealing with, uh, the mental health strains, the, the everything else that's going on this year, like I just don't think that it's fair um, to really punish these guys all that much. It's the same thing with the people that are out there criticizing Mike White and, and saying that Mike White probably shouldn't be um, coaching at Florida anymore. Well, you know what? As rough as it was this season uh, for Mike White. Um, and as much of a difficult time, and, and we lost uh, we lost Jeff here, so hopefully he'll be back at some point. Uh, if he's not, that's probably a better stream for you because no one really wants to hear him talk. He is uh, one of a kind, let's just put it like that. Um, here he is. He's back. All right, so um, I was just saying, like the, it's, it's very difficult for me to criticize coaches too much uh, in a year like this, especially, you know, Someone like a Mike White, there are people that are calling for Mike White to be fired and he's going through it. And obviously what Coach Cal has dealt with this season is not the same as what Mike White has been dealing with. But, you know, (laughs) again, I mentioned this yesterday, John Calipari, in addition to everything going on with the pandemic and and everything going on with trying to rebuild a team that is not as good as he thought it was going to be, everything going on with the fact that like he never had a chance to really grow this team as a team to do the team bonding, to do all that stuff in the preseason, get them to know each other, get them to learn his system. Um, he's dealing with like the grief of a former player that died like a week ago, right? All while everything is kind of swirling around him because he took a knee with his his players. So um, I'm inclined to allow John Calipari to have one bad season. I think he's yeah. done enough to be able to survive yes, one bad season. And, you know, if 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 – if he's four and nine at this point in 2021, 22, then yes, then maybe we can have a conversation about, okay, Cal might've lost it. Maybe he's not the right guy for the job. Maybe the best thing to do is kind of move on and part ways, but like one bad year in the middle of, of everything that's going on right now, like, no, don't, it's don't, don't, over, don't, over, don't overreact. Right. Don't overreact. Don't overthink this again. I don't know how much cut out before I, I, I cut out, but um, you, you missed on enough guys last time around. Right. Mm-hmm. Like Mark Few's not coming. Tony Bennett's not coming. Uh, Billy Donovan's not coming. Jay Wright's not coming. So, like, who are you getting? I mean, again, we've discussed this. Like, Scott Drew, maybe. And, like, if you think Scott Drew's a better coach than Cal, like, I- I'm okay with that. I'm, he's done an unbelievable job at Baylor. 
I think he'd fit in a lot of reasons in, in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, but why would you run out, John? Like, it just it, it makes no sense. It's it's overthinking this thing. Um, again, they made some mistakes. Like, forget about the pandemic and all that. You can tell they made some mistakes with, with, with some of these players evaluating. They're not getting the elite of the elite anymore. That's the difference to me is, like, Anthony Davis won him a title. Well, he, he was the best player in America. Yep. You didn't get Kate Cunningham. If you put Kate Cunningham on this team right now in place of Devin Askew, instead of four and nine, Rob, they're nine and four. They're nine and I four. Mean, they, they might be better. Uh, the I would I think you can make the argument that the pieces around Cade right now on Oklahoma State are not as good as the pieces around right. uh, that would have been around him sure. at Kentucky this year. And uh, I think that it's also fair to say that Oklahoma State is probably a better team than Kentucky is right now. And a lot of that has to do with Cade, yes, but, uh, I mean, your point um, very much holds up. And, and also, like, one last thing. We're not saying, like, that Kentucky fans shouldn't be upset or there shouldn't be a level of expectation or right. there should – like, you should absolutely – like, if you if you want to feel like this is Kentucky, we don't go 4-9, you are absolutely allowed to feel that way. That said, before you fire the guy that, like – brought this program back from what Billy Clyde Gillespie did to it, maybe just maybe you want to give him like a year's window. Maybe you just maybe out, you want to let him have like one bad one bad year. You ran out Tubby Smith because he couldn't recruit at a high level, okay? Calipari's doing that. I know people think, well, he'd rather have guys in the NBA than win games. That's stupid. Of course he'd rather win games and win a championship than put guys. There it is. There it is. You, we could lose the stream. You could fall out of the stream, and it's not going to stop the notifications from going off in the middle of it. And so something that is that is more consistent than uh, than, than a few good men on a rainy Sunday afternoon. <laughs> Next time you coach John Rothstein, I will never come on here again. Ever, ever, ever. Oh, man, never. I knew you did that. None of you. Oh uh, man. All right, let, let, let's let's move along. If you if you need more on Cal Perry, uh, read my column later today. Uh, I will post that on Twitter, and uh, yeah, you, you, you jackasses who want him gone, you're, you're just that. You're jackasses. Can I, can I say one last thing before we yeah. get into tonight's slate? Can I just say one last thing? Um, so Bruce Pearl last night, uh, I, I don't, I don't think that he did a, a great job adjusting to the defense that Arkansas was throwing at them, but I think a lot of that had to do with the the, the, the team that he has on the on the floor. Um, you know, that all Arkansas did was throw two bodies at Sharif Cooper every time he got anywhere near half court. And they just were like, okay, we're going to let you play four on three and try to beat us. And his team couldn't, like, Auburn could not win four on three against Arkansas. So um, that's concerning. Uh, I think that has a lot more to do with the roster makeup than Bruce Pearl himself. But I do want to say, like, at the end of the game, um, Arkansas was up one. Moses Moody got fouled. Went to the foul line for two free throws. There were 2.4 seconds left on the clock. He missed the first. After he missed the first, Bruce Pearl called his last timeout. And I, for the life of me, do not understand either – Like that, I, I, one, I don't understand why Bruce Pearl would use his timeout in that spot. It makes absolutely no sense because all Moses Booty has to do is miss that free throw and the game is more or less over, right? Because then Auburn has to grab the rebound and find mm-hmm. a way to get a shot up from like 75 feet that that makes no sense to me. And then Eric Musselman didn't even tell Moody to miss the free throw. Like he switched it. So like I have no idea what was happening at the end of that game or why anyone made those decisions. But like 
there's nothing more frustrating to me than, than, than people doing little things like that that can, can significantly change uh, your chance to win. Like just for example, Alan Flanagan got a pretty decent look from about 35 feet for a chance to win the game at the buzzer instead of if Moses misses that free throw, then there's no way they get any kind of clean look from like the other side of half court. So I just have to go on that rant a little bit. All right, last thing from last night. so mad. Last thing from last night before we turn the page, which we need to friggin' turn the page, is uh, we got to give the Providence Friars a little bit of love, right? Yes, we do. That honestly was the best win of the night, and and we're already 10 minutes and one glitch into the stream, and uh, you haven't even mentioned the Providence Friars and Eddie Cooley beating Creighton in Omaha. Like, I know Marcus Zagorowski just came back. He actually looked okay. Like, Providence, that was a hell of a win. They, they jumped out um, and basically were able to hold off uh, Creighton. And Nate Watson was terrific early in, in building that lead. And um, it was a big win. Providence had lost three in a row. I believe all three were three on the road. There were three tough games. But they needed that one. And Creighton now – Looks like a team to me that I'm going to buy low. Like, I'm going to look at the future, like, tomorrow on Creighton. You love Creighton. I just think, like, again, they've got the pieces. I'm not sure they put it all together, but I think they've got the pieces. They're starting to concern me a little bit, losing a game like that at home to Providence. But (laughs) Just just now they're starting to concern you? Just now. Just now. (laughs) You love Creighton so much. I do too, man. They're they're fun to watch. I will say this about the Big East. I don't think it's the best league in college basketball. I don't even think it would be a top two league in college basketball. I do think that it is the most aesthetically pleasing conference in the country. Like every every game – the, the teams in, the, in that league like want to get up and down. It's not like the old Big East where everything was a slugfest. They want to get up and down. There's talent. They like to shoot a lot of threes. They, they have coaches that are kind of – uh, build their programs around scoring and offense, and, and so um, I, I think it's it's the most fun conference in the con- the country to be able to watch games on. All right, so uh, should we get into tonight's slate, Jeffrey? Let's get into it. All right, there are three games that I love. Uh, we should probably start with, I guess, Indiana at Iowa. Uh, that line right now is Iowa laying ten and a half. That total is one fifty two. Uh, what do you got, Jeff? Um, I mean, again, like, yeah, I don't, I don't love it. I got to say, I don't love it because I, I always been so good lately. I feel like they can't keep this up. Like they're going to have one of those kind of Iowa games where they have to grind it out. And the one thing Indiana does have is they've got a big, that can kind of not neutralize because nobody's going to really neutralize uh, Luca Garza, but they don't need to bring a lot of help. Right? Like Indiana can stay home on Iowa shooters. And I feel like if they're not taking uncontested threes, which generally that's what Iowa gets most of the time, maybe Iowa goes a little bit cold here. Um, So I would say to me, I'd probably go the total and maybe go under, but I don't love it. I don't love it. Period. So I I really like Iowa in this spot Um, for a couple of reasons. One, Iowa is the best shooting team in the Big Ten. They lead the conference in uh, in league play in three-point shooting. Um, they're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country over the course of the entire season. I mean, we know this. Uh, now that Jordan Bohannon is going, like, they just have shooters everywhere on the floor. Uh, and where Indiana has struggled this season is by allowing uh, by allowing teams to hit threes on them. 
Uh, they are dead last in the Big Ten in, in defensive three-point percentage allowed. They're, they're allowing opponents to hit more than 40% of their threes. And some of that is fluky. Like there have been studies that have proven that defensive three-point percentage has more to do with luck than it does with your ability to defend. Yeah. Um, but I will say this. What Indiana plays defensively is a pack line. The pack line dares you to shoot threes over the top. They're basically saying, okay, we think that we can uh, – contest more jump shots that's a better way for us to defend than it is to allow you to get to the basket get to the rim get a post touch any of that kind of stuff uh the problem is like i always just got shooters that can make tough shots Mm -hmm. so um i think that that's going to really help them the other part of it is on the defensive end the way that you beat iowa uh is with guards that can penetrate and guys that are really really good in ball screens and outside of Armand Franklin, Indiana doesn't really have that. Like they're not really a, they're they're built around Trace Jackson Davis getting post touches and going to work on the block. And I don't know how well that's going to work against an Iowa team that has Luca Garza and has mm-hmm. Jack Nunji and has a bunch of length and athleticism um, that they can bring in off the bench. So uh, I really like Iowa in this spot. They're ten and four this season against the spread. The over is also ten and four for the Hawkeyes. Uh, you know what I do like. like- First of What's all, can, we we got to switch up some some uh, juju here a little bit, right? Like, obviously, the hat didn't work yesterday, so we we need to get rid of the hat. Number one, the Alabama hat's gone, and it has been replaced, and and there it is. The new hat is in. Do you know what the new hat is, Robert? Oh, it's it's a it's a shocking decision that you would it is put a that shocking hat on. decision. That's exactly right, <laughs> and uh, we are taking. The Wichita State Shockers getting three against the Memphis Tigers today. So uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yes. I don't want the point. I don't want the points. You don't even want the points. You don't I need would, the points. You can you can have the points. I don't need the points. I'm, okay. I'm taking the money line. All right, you're taking the money line. Listen, the Memphis Tigers are incredibly frustrating. Uh, we we know that they have been all year. They were last year. Wichita State's played great under Isaac Brown. Like. Tyson at the end's been awesome. I think Dexter Dennis is going to break out at some point. Uh, I, I think they're kind of on a mission this year, and uh, that mission is f Greg Marshall. That's been the mission: is is show Greg Marshall and show the country that we can still win without Greg Marshall. And and they like Isaac Brown. He's the interim. He's done a good job there. Um, they're disciplined. They move the ball. They've got guys that can make plays, and Memphis, you can't say all that about. Yeah, no, I'm I'm 100 with you there. Um, I also think it's important to note that uh, where like Memphis is just a train wreck on the offensive end. We've talked about this. Um, we don't have to rehash that conversation, but I will say this: that where Memphis actually does succeed is on the defensive end of the floor, especially when it comes to kind of forcing turnovers and turning those turnovers into layups at the other end. Like that's kind of what like their offense is at this point, go get offensive rebounds and get a layup off of that. Uh, Go force a turnover and get a layup in transition. And the one thing about Wichita state is they have not really turned the ball over this year. They have a bunch of veteran guards on that roster. Dexter Dennis, shout out to Altary Gilbert, my old, uh, my old UConn guy. Um, so I really, really like Wichita State in the spot. How about this, Jeff? This season, Memphis yep. against the spread. Do you know what their record is? No. Go ahead. It's only it's only slightly worse than Kentucky's record uh, overall. Yeah. They, are two and, they are two and nine against the spread. Boy, Do you know how many games that they've played has have gone over the total? Uh two. One. One. 
One. One game they played. 139. Yeah. So I kind of if you're gonna take something on the on the total side, I would I would definitely lean the under. Uh if you want to take the the now two and a half points, then you should probably take the now two and a half points on Wichita State. But give me that money line. I will take Wichita State to uh to go into FedEx forum and pick up a win over the fighting Gary Parishes, who might actually be a better head coach than uh than Penny Hardaway. Oh my goodness. What do you how good do you think if if you let Gary Parrish take over Memphis? Like just gave him the Memphis offense. Well, what first do you of think, all, here's where do you problem. think that they where do you think that they would rank in um in in national uh, offensive efficiency? Well, here's the problem: they'd be in a huddle and he'd tell one of his stories, <laughs> and the refs would be like, "Hey, you got to get back out." And Gary would be like, "No, no, I'm not." Like it, it would go like 20 minutes. Like the game would be over. They wouldn't go back in the court. No, no. You know what would actually happen? He they'd be in the huddle and he would say something and they'd be like. Who is that? I can't hear. I hear. I hear him. I can't see him. Where? Where is he? Where? Where is Gary? Very true. Very true. And <laughs> the funniest, one of the funniest things I've ever seen is um, is on TV. Uh, so so GP does obviously the CBS Sports Network, and they had him doing a stand up one time next to Brendan Haywood, who's like a seven foot one NBA center, and he came up to like his waist. Uh, it looked like Santa Claus standing with an elf. It was, oh, it was so funny. I remember I remember having to do a um a, a, an interview at halftime with David Paget, and, and normally I'm pretty good. You know, I'm six three. Like normally, yeah, it's most most coaches when I interview them. I'm close, even players. Like, I'm not that far up. I felt so small next to David Padgett for some reason. <laughs> I'm not sure if he's the tallest guy I've ever interviewed. I mean, he's like 6'10". There's no way he's the tallest guy you've ever interviewed, but it's probably the tallest guy you ever did a stand-up with where you had to hold the microphone up. Right. Like I think that's what it was. Because, like, like, luckily, when I interviewed Shaq, we did it sitting down. I don't know if you remember that one. He got me in a headlock. Literally got me in a headlock in the middle of the interview, and I'm like, I, you can't move. Like, you can't, you can't get out. Like I tried to kind of squirm out while kind of smiling and laughing. I'm like, dude, like this dude has me. So anyway, I, I was I've always been used to being like short. It was always weird for me when I would like I'd go around people, they'd be like, wow, you're so tall. Because I mean, I played basketball growing up. All of my all my teammates were like. Six five, six six, six seven, six eight. All my friends in college, like I, I was the shortest of my friends in college, except for this. There's there was this one guy named Ross, who uh, who liked to say that he was six foot one when he was probably about five foot ten, five foot ten and a half. By the and, way, who uh, who is taller out of Paris and Borzello? I mean, it's now it's Borzello because you got to factor in the hair, right? Uh, so yeah, it used to be GP when he had the spiky yeah. hair. Yeah. But now that now that he now that he's he brought um he came on home. Yeah, you um, think was a full inch on him? Yeah, I mean with the poof, it might be it might be two inches. And Borzello, God knows how honestly that hair is during the pandemic. I mean, you know, you know what the truth is? The truth is they're probably exactly the same height, but it's just like <laughs> it's just like it started out where Parrish Parrish had the spike, so he was taller, and now that's gone. So and Borzello's got the poof, and now that's higher. We right. <laughs> very much got the the, the snooky look going on. All right, let's um, get back. Right, <laughs> yeah, about time, right? Um, I, there was one other game. Oh yeah, uh, UCLA at Cal. Um, Matt Bradley I, not playing. Matt Bradley yeah, not Matt, playing again. Matt, Matt, Matt Bradley is out. Uh, it's a good high, high uh, sell high spot for me on Cal because they just won at Utah. 
Um, I don't think Utah is really all that good. Uh, UCLA, yes, they're playing without Chris Smith, um, but they are. I still think that they're the best team in the uh, in the Pac-12. I mean, they're they're is a juggernaut offensively. Is their best team in the Pac-12? Um, yeah, and their name is the, no. their name is the UCLA Bruins. No, there's not yeah. a best team in the Pac-12. You come on, you know this. There's not. It, it's. it's I, I actually think. I actually think. I, I actually think UCLA is 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 pretty good. Now the big question is going to be long term. How like how good are they going to be defensively? Are are they going to be able to get enough stops? But like, they're they're absolutely shooting the shit out of it right now. They're they're at forty four percent from three in league play. They're seven and zero. Um, even without Chris Smith, they're like uh, Jaime Jaquez is just. I, I love that kid as a player. Um, Tiger Campbell has been able to kind of run that offense uh, relatively efficiently. Um, and like, I just, I don't think Cal is very good. I think this is a great sell high opportunity on them. Um, and again, the biggest thing is like Cal isn't very good defending a three point line. They allow a lot of th- their opponents to shoot a lot of threes. UCLA is shooting 44% from three in league play. I know that's not like the biggest point of their offense, but uh, they, they shoot it very, very efficiently um, at, a, at, even if it is at a low number. So I really like UCLA in this spot. All right, you can like UCLA. I'm gonna I'm gonna run through a couple others that I like. I'm not going crazy today. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to temper uh, after yesterday. Um, I, I like uh, Stanford getting five against USC. I just don't trust USC. I guess is my biggest thing. Uh, you know, to me, again, I think Stanford's got a stud in, in Silva. Zaire Williams is a, a lottery pick. I, I know Mobley's a lottery pick for USC. They don't always get him the ball. Their point guards kind of play has been questionable. I'll take the five points there uh, and take Stanford. Uh, let me run through a couple more, if you don't mind. Oh, can, I, can I just say something real quick on that? Yeah. Um, so part of the part of the problem with this with, with USC this year is that like as good as Evan Mobley is, he's not someone that can carry a team by going out and getting thirty a night, right? Like. Right. His his entire – everything that he does well fits within the context of having other guys that are are your your go-to players offensively, right? He is he is elite when it comes to like ball screens, short roll passes with uh, the ability to kind of handle the ball within an offense. The, like his, his team defense, his help defense. He'll be great uh, in the NBA. Switching. Yes, he is. Great in the NBA as a – as like a, a third guy, like not a guy. He's, he can't be a guy either in college yes. or in the NBA because he can't. You can't give him the ball and just say, "Hey, go get, go get one." So I, I actually think that it's kind of similar to um, to Anthony Davis in the sense that, Anthony, like, you really see Anthony Davis flourishing and showcasing his talent when he's on the floor with someone like LeBron, who can really be the guy that initiates everything. Like Anthony Davis is utterly elite at so many things on a basketball court, but he's not like if he's the the primary source of offense that you have where you have to run everything through him, right. then it's not like I, I do it, it's also like I it's the same thing with like Scottie Pippen or Draymond Green. Like there are guys that are just um they're they're the best Robins in the world. But if you ask them to be Batman, then it's not necessarily going to go great. And I think that Evan Mobley is that kind of guy. I still think he's someone I might take with a number one overall pick. Like he's very much in that conversation. But you have to take him knowing that um, you probably he's not. He's not the guy. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. You would not take him over Kate Cunningham. You would not take him over Jalen Suggs. It's a guards game. It's a guards game. Those guys have the potential to be 
all-stars. I, I'm not sure Evan Mobley's ever an NBA. Like I, I probably would take uh, – you're right about Cade Cunningham. Like uh, The more I watch Cade, the more I think that like I, I there's no way I'm taking anyone over him. Um, Jalen Suggs, yes and no. Like there's – the highs with Jalen – the highs with Jalen – yeah, but the highs with him are are so incredible. But it's also there's a lot of really bad decisions that he makes, and um, so it's 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 and and again, like I love Jalen Suggs as a prospect, but when you like the the top four in this year's draft are just are, are studs. Yeah. So like if I could say Jalen Suggs is going fourth, and still still think that he is a guy that like. I, I would take him number one in this past draft class, like without even a thought. So I really like him as a prospect, but there's also like three other guys that I really, really like as prospects in this year's draft too. So anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I go, went on a tangent. You did. You went on a complete tangent. And uh, I just, I, I just had to, I had to get it out, man, because you know, it's, it's been, it's been bottling up, bottling up in me and I, I just had to let it go. All right. Uh, Rutgers, Penn state. How about Rutgers only favored by one here? Surprised. Not really. They've been bad. Um, They've been bad. Yeah, They've lost four in a row. And um, I, I just – I think Pykele's going to find a way to turn it around. I do. I, I think this is where it starts. If you're going to get healthy in the Big Ten, you better get healthy against Penn State and Nebraska. And if they lose this one, they're in, they're in major trouble. They are a better team than this, than they've shown over this four-game losing streak. They've played four good teams. That's the way life's going to be in the Big Ten. You have to win games like this. I don't care if it's at Penn State or if it's at the rack. It doesn't matter. They've lost. Three of these four have been at the rack that they've lost. So Mm -hmm. to me, if Rutgers can lose at the rack, they can win on the road. So I'm taking Rutgers. That's my pick of the day. I'm I'm saying the Scarlet Knights are going to rebound, get back on uh, in the winning column, and beat Penn State here. All right, I like it. I'm I'm gonna stay away. I, I have my three picks. I'm going uh Iowa laying ten and a half. I'm going the Wichita State money line. Go Shockers, love the hat. Uh and I am taking UCLA laying nine. All right, I got two more. So I got I got Stanford so far. I got Rutgers so far. I got Wichita. And then I'm gonna go two more. I'm gonna go Arizona State against my alma mater. Um <laughs> I just feel like they're the most talented team. I know. I know you're looking at me like, you're going to do it again. I just – it's it's in Tempe. They've got the better, more talent. They've got the guy in Remy Martin that now he's at least been back for a little while. They, they, they've got most of their team whole at this point. Arizona is so young for the most part. Uh, I'm taking Arizona State and, and getting two. And then the last one, Robert. Robert. Right oh, listening. What do you got? Little Merrimack College, baby. Oh, Merrimack, baby. Little Merrimack because FDU is going to Merrimack and they're gonna they're gonna have to deal with contend with Joe Gallo. I believe Greg Horrendas alma mater is Merrimack. Greg Horrendas is the head coach at FDU, in case you were wondering. They their their top two players opted out at the beginning of the season, FDU. All right, so that was bad enough. Then you haven't played in the last two weeks because of a pause. Merrimack's not very good this year. But I'm just I'm just fading FDU in this one with the long pause, two guys opting out. The only thing that worries me is is horrendous coming home, and horrendous coming home. I don't know. There, 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 there's some energy there. There's some raw emotion with Greg Horrenda coming back to to Merrimack. Are they going to throw him a parade? I don't know. 
I don't know. Uh, but I will tell you this. Make sure yes. that you follow us on Bet Sports because there are all a couple injury things that we're, we're tracking right now. We can't talk about them yet at this point. But uh, when we do, those picks will get made onto Bet Sports. One more. Follow us and turn on One notifications. More. Hold on. If you follow us and turn on notifications, you will get an alert as soon as we put in those bets and we get an answer. Jeffrey, go ahead. Last There's one. One more I liked. I like Moorhead State. Moorhead State given seven against SEMO. So those are my six. Stanford, Rutgers, Wichita, Arizona State, Merrimack, and Moorhead State. There you have it, Robert. I, I love that you're like, I'm going to go light today. Hold on. I got another one. Hold on. I got another one. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I got another one. Shockers. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.